Well, good morning. Welcome to Apostles. I'm Lead Pastor David Cumby. I want to thank you so much for worshiping with us online today. You know, I was talking with a friend of mine this week, and he simply said, I am so done with this. And by this, he meant coronavirus. Uh, And I think that really captures how a lot of us feel right now. Maybe all of us feel. You know, this virus has disrupted life at every level for everyone. I mean, hundreds of thousands of people across the world have died. Millions upon millions have lost their jobs. And those of us who have our lives and our livelihoods, I think it's, it's given us new perspective. It's helped us to remember what we have and how to be grateful for that. But I think we all feel this sense of just ready to move on um, from this. There's this level, you can feel it just of, of kind of angst and, and frustration. And we wanna, get, we wanna get back to life before COVID-19. We wanna get back to normal. We're longing for normal. And I just wanna ask this morning, are we really longing for normal? Is that really what we're after? This week, um, I think we were all painfully reminded of just what normal means in 21st century America. A 25-year-old black man named Ahmad Arbery went out for a jog, just like he had done countless times before, only to be tracked down and shot to death by two white men who claimed to have been making a citizen's arrest. You know, the only thing that Ahmad did to earn his death sentence was to be born black and to be running in a predominantly white neighborhood. And then to add insult to tragedy, only after a video of the incident went public were the two white men who killed Ahmad charged with murder. This is some two months after the fact. African-American and fellow Anglican priest Esau Macaulay tweeted about this this week. And this is what he said. He said, I go running in my largely white neighborhood three to four times a week. And yes, I have thought about whether or not it is wise to do so. He goes on to say, I've run out of outrage tweets. All I have now are laments. See, for people of color across our nation, this is normal. And for millions and millions, billions of people across the world, including us, normal includes injustice and suffering and sickness and loss. And so I just want to ask again, do we really long for normal? I think in our moments of deepest honesty about what normal all too often includes, we find ourselves asking, God, where are you? God, do you, do you care? God, do you have a plan? In the Lord's Prayer, which we've been working through together, Jesus says in Luke 11, when you pray, Pray, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. In these few words, Jesus says, you have a father who loves you and cares about you and has a plan. God has a plan and it's for his kingdom to come. 
for his will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And so as followers of Jesus in, in a world of, of COVID-19s and a world of racial injustice and, and all the rest, this is our prayer. Your kingdom come. And so this morning, I want us to ask, what does that mean? What does it mean for us as followers of Jesus to pray your kingdom come? I wonder if you could choose one word or just one phrase that comes to your mind when you think about Jesus or when you think about Jesus teaching. I wonder what that word would be. Maybe it would be love. You might think of loving God or loving our neighbor. You might think of peace or of grace or of justice. But do you know the word that Jesus chose to use when he, when he had to sum it all up? He chose the word kingdom. In his account of Jesus' life and teaching, Matthew alone records over 50 references to the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. That's about one reference every page of Matthew. We're told in the gospels that Jesus began his ministry with these words, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus proclaims the kingdom. He teaches on the kingdom. He demonstrates the power of the kingdom through mercy and through healing and through deliverance. Jesus compares the kingdom of God to everything from yeast to inheritance to farming. And Jesus says that we can enter the kingdom, we can receive it, we can lose it, we can even stand against it. He says the kingdom has always been, the kingdom has come, and that the kingdom will come in the future. Jesus had a lot to say about the kingdom. But the question then is, what exactly is the kingdom? I think when we think about a kingdom, we tend to think of kind of a place or a physical territory, you know, like something out of Game of Thrones or, or Lord of the Rings, something you can lay out on a map. And while the biblical Hebrew and Greek understanding of kingdom includes that idea, it's more about the reign of the king over that territory. That is to say, it's about the king's power and authority over everything that's within his realm. From the beginning of the Bible, all the way back to Genesis one and two, we discover that God is not only the creator, he's also the one who rules and reigns over all the earth. In first Chronicles, King David prays these words. He says, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours, he says, is the kingdom. The Psalms are full of poetry, uh, describing God as uh, king over all things. The Old Testament prophets say something similar. Isaiah, Ezekiel, Zechariah, they all talk about God as being the king over all the nations who will reign for eternity. And so God is king and God's kingdom is ultimately all of reality. And, and so if the kingdom is really the reign of the king, we want to know what kind of king this is. What kind of king is God? You know, the world we live in is, is full of kings. Sometimes we call them different things, rulers or presidents. And through history, many, if not most of those whom attain power, they do it by unjust means and they hold on to power for unjust ends. Even in the Bible, most of the kings that we find are deeply flawed, if not outright evil. 
And because of this experience down through history, and I think especially for us in America, we have an inherent distrust and even dislike of kings and rulers. But God is a different kind of king. He's even an unexpected kind of king. And Jesus shows us exactly what kind of king God is. Hebrews 1 says that in the past, God's revealed himself to us in in all kinds of ways, but now he's chosen to reveal himself in his son. To see Jesus, in other words, is to see God the king. And Jesus' whole life, his whole life is a window into the heart of God the king. In John 13, we get a glimpse into that heart when Jesus, the king of creation, who took on flesh, he takes the role of a servant. He gets down on the floor and he washes the dirty feet of his followers. He says, now that I, your Lord, your king and your teacher have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. We're meant to ask, what kind of king is this? Nowhere was the heart of God, the king, more on display than at the cross. Not only does the king serve, but he suffers. He suffers with us and for us. Why? In Genesis 1 and 2, the Bible tells us that we were actually created to help reign and rule over creation with God, our king. Psalm 8 says it this way, that God crowned humanity with honor and glory as rulers over the earth, which he set under their feet. We were given the king's authority to help create and cultivate a good and beautiful world. But the Bible also tells us that in our selfishness and our sin, humanity chose to rebel against the true king. That you and I became corrupt sovereigns over our own little kingdoms. And what's more, we made allegiances with the kingdom of darkness And it's led to the degradation of creation and the destruction of our humanity. We've rejected the king and the creator of life itself. And our rebellion ultimately leads to death. But the good news of the kingdom is that Jesus, the true king, comes to rescue us. And this unexpected king, he conquers evil and death in an unexpected way. His coronation as king was on a hill outside of Jerusalem where he was crowned with thorns and lifted up on the cross. And the death of the king frees us from the powers of sin and from the kingdom of darkness. And so we're left asking again, what kind of king is this? A king who suffers. You see, in Jesus, we find a king who has all the authority in the world, but doesn't use power the way the world uses power. His kingdom doesn't come by violence. It doesn't come by political schemes. His kingdom comes through a life of humility and sacrifice and love. And it's this King Jesus who says to all of us, repent and believe for the kingdom has drawn near. To repent is is to turn, it's to let go. It's to give up on trying to be your own king and surrender control of your life to the true king, to Jesus. And so with all this in mind, I think the question then is, what does it mean to pray your kingdom come? I would say to pray your kingdom come is to invite this king, King Jesus, 
to rule and reign, both in the world, but also in our lives. So first, as the gospel of Matthew records it, we, we pray your kingdom come. We pray your will be done on earth, he writes, as it is in heaven. It's a global, it's a, a universal size prayer to say your kingdom come. After Jesus rose from the dead, we're told that he ascended to his throne in heaven where he reigns now. And that one day Jesus will return to bring the fullness of the kingdom of God on the earth. Revelation tells us that the angels before God's throne, they, they sing about that day. They say, when the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he shall reign forever and ever. The kingdom of God has come. And yet at the same time, we wait for the return of our king when he'll bring the fullness of the kingdom on earth. When we pray your kingdom come, we're asking our father in heaven to bring about the full and final transformation of the world under the kingship of Jesus. We're asking God to bring an end to our suffering and to dry our tears. We're asking God to destroy cancer and coronavirus and AIDS and heart disease. When we pray your kingdom come, we're asking him to wipe from the world the scourges of systematic racism, economic injustice, political corruption, human trafficking, abortion, domestic abuse. As one pastor said, when we pray your kingdom come, we are asking for heaven to invade earth. We're asking for God to reform our reality into a single new creation of total and eternal perfection. And when we pray your kingdom come, we're not just praying as a hope. We don't just hope that will happen. We know that will happen because that has always been God's plan. And so right now in the midst of this pandemic, I just wanna encourage us, pray big. God says, pray big, pray for big things. Pray for world-size, universe-size things. Pray for renewal, pray for revival, pray for peace, pray for an end to this pandemic. Pray your kingdom come. But we don't just pray your kingdom come in this world. We pray your kingdom would come in our lives. It's not just a global prayer, in other words, it's a very personal prayer. And it's an incredible thing that the power that God gives to transform the world, he actually gives to transform our lives. And so to pray your kingdom come, it means that we can pray for healing of our disease, that we can pray for freedom from our addiction, that, that we can be led into places of forgiveness and reconciliation, and that, that no matter what we're facing in this life, that there's hope. To pray your kingdom come is to remember that we are people who have been given the authority of our king, that we can confidently come to his throne and ask for what we need. It's to remember that we are people becoming like our king who walk in self-giving love and joyfully suffer for the good of others. When the kingdom comes in our lives, it brings joy and it brings hope and it brings peace. And sometimes it can bring miracles, but the greatest miracle that comes with the kingdom is knowing that we actually can go through life in the presence of the king himself. The greatest gift of the kingdom is knowing the king. So Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come. You know, today we find ourselves in the midst of this pandemic. And I think we all feel to some degree just levels of anxiety and uncertainty and, and even grief. 
we feel disoriented. And like I said, I think we're longing to, to get back to something that feels like solid ground under our feet. As a friend of mine said, uh, it kind of feels like we're like a boat right now without power caught in a storm. We're just desperate to restart the engine, to gain forward momentum, to, to kind of turn the boat into the waves and get on with it. But I just wanna ask again, what, what if in this moment, God's trying to get our attention, to focus our attention on, on the deepest longings in our hearts? What if in this moment, he's inviting us to see the world differently, to see that normal isn't really what we're longing for, to show us that all our plans and all our attempts to control our lives were never going to bring us the joy and the peace that we're after, to force us to ask, where are we headed in our lives and how will we get there? What if normal isn't what we're really longing for? What if that longing is actually pointing us to a deeper longing? What if what we're really longing for is the kingdom of God? What if it's a longing, in fact, that's always been there, but only in this great pause can we see that? My friend, uh, Pastor John Yates, he said recently, you know, humans are homesick by nature homesick for life with God in the garden of creation, homesick for life without sickness and sin and evil because that's what we were made for. We treat this homesickness with all kinds of remedies, all kinds of distractions and pleasures, but none of those things actually ever lead us home. We don't need normal, in other words. What we need is the kingdom. Jesus says, pray our father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come in our world and in our lives. That's our prayer. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, that is our simple prayer is that your kingdom would come in our lives today and in our world. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen.